Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. Thanks for tuning in. If you wouldn't mind, leave us a review on iTunes. That way it will help boost our ratings so that more people can hear the great adaptifiers that we profile and interview on the show. Today's guest is Megan Blunk. Megan, on the face of it, is a huge success. She's a Paralympic gold medalist, the first woman in her family to graduate college. She's sponsored by Nike. She's had a successful sporting career. Underpinning all that is severe depression. I'm really interested to talk to Megan today about how she's navigated her journey through life with severe depression, what tools and techniques she employs to not let it paralyze her, excuse the pun, and enable her to achieve great things. Uh, Megan, thanks so much for joining me today. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me and thank you for what you're doing. Welcome. Yeah, it's uh, it's an absolute privilege to meet so many amazing people uh, all around the world and I really do consider it a privilege. So yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, yeah. I'm curious, you, you grew up in... Um, uh, in up on the uh, the west coast of the United States or the no- northern California is that is that right? Uh, I grew up in Washington State. Um, okay, but further north but again. I live in California now. Mm-hmm. So, did, just to share a little bit of context with me, what was your what was your upbringing like? What was your childhood like? What sort of things were you into? Um, well, I grew up able bodied um, until I was eighteen years old. So. I played every sport that I had the chance to play. I was the middle of um, five girls, so all of us are about a year apart. Um, and our parents divorced when we were younger. Um, so we kind of, and then we experienced some things, you know, like in our childhood, like a lot of people do. And uh, we kind of had a broke, more of a broken family um, where we all kind of like, we're just trying to find our way on our own. and having uh five girls all going through their own thing and um it it was pretty crazy but um we I'm pretty proud of where me and all of my sisters have ended up and and our mom and dad and all of our lives so anyway um I grew up playing all of the sports I was the tomboy um I soccer was my favorite I played that year round and then pretty much any sport I could on top of that so basketball started in third grade when the league, you know, I was able to play. Um, baseball started in first grade. Uh, volleyball was in middle school and track in middle school. So all of them, whenever I started playing them, I would play them every year from then on. Um, but the thing that's interesting, that a big part of my story is that I was really good at sports. I was naturally athletic and could pick it up fast and but in my mind, um, I was never good enough. And it honestly never mattered what people told me. I didn't hear it. I was like, no, like I did not play, you know, I wasn't playing well out there. I messed up. I could have done better. I was holding back, but they never really knew what was going on. Um, and so that was always a big struggle for me. And 
I really didn't want people coming to my games and, um, and I was usually MVP of the teams and stuff like it, but, and so, so that turned out to be depression. Um, it got worse as I got older and, um, eventually I was diagnosed with it in middle school and I started trying different medication and, um, not as much counseling as I needed. And, um, but yeah, that's, that was pretty much my fight. I, I ended up in a not so good crowd because of my experiences and how lost I felt. And, um, yeah, I don't know. See, I'm all over the place again, but I, there's just, that's usually, yeah, I, I, I was really athletic and mentally always struggling. And I, I knew how much I had all the potential I had and it just broke me even more knowing that I, I never thought I was good enough and I didn't know if I ever would think I'm good enough. And, um, so that was pretty much my childhood. And then, um, when I graduated high school, I ended up in the motorcycle accident and broke my back and became paralyzed from the waist down, which people thought would have been one of the hardest things. But to me, it it was not hard at all compared to the depression that I had been living with my whole life. And it actually woke me up and made me stronger in all of the good ways. So, yeah. Wow. (laughs) There's there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, Thank you for being so open and honest and for actually just cutting cutting to the chase, right? Just to yeah. being open about that. Um, I, I can, I, I get a sense for, for how you must have felt, um, you know, uh, wow. And, and it, to be honest, at a, at a period of my life, I've, I've felt similar. Um, did you, were you wondering why, you know, you had on the outside, you had all the success and people, people thought you were, really amazing and successful did you ever wonder why you were feeling the way you did or did it just seem like that was normal life for you no I always wondered what was wrong with me like why am I different than why can't I just live in the moment and have fun like all these kids and I was usually hanging out with the parents or just kind of sitting back and you know at like the soccer parties and all of that it I either was extremely outgoing or my mind would trap me and hold me back. Um, but if I could break through it and I could be okay and stay strong, then I was the outgoing girl that I know I am. But um, I always wondered, I just, I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to reach my fullest potential and I didn't want to live my life always holding back because I'm scared of, you know, what people will think of me or if, if I, if I believe that I'm good enough, what if then I get hurt? You know, what if I believe it and then I get blindsided? Like that's always my, where I'm living in fear of trying to be prepared for the hurt, you know, before it gets me first, I guess. Wow. (laughs) I'm sweating in my car. This quarantine, like finding a place to go. Can you see the sweat? I can a little bit. Yeah, I can a little. (laughs) I opened my car door a little bit. (laughs) I'm I'm actually slightly envious. It's a it's a grey, drizzly, cold winter day here um, in in Christchurch, New Zealand. 
and uh, it's just gone the shortest day of the year. So, so I'd love to be in a, a Southern California sun sunshine. Yeah, um, it is nice here. A I was there. Place. I was there in in March, early March, just before the whole world went crazy with lockdown. And um, you were in San Diego. Yeah, I was. It was a shame I didn't um, connect with you. Actually, uh, I, I met with. Um, I stayed with Elena and and Roy up in Reno, and then I actually drove down to Southern California and. Um, I went and saw the CAF, the um, Challenge Athletes Foundation, and um, yeah, I met up with Jeremy McGee and um, and who else? Spike. Do you know Spike? The um, yeah, yeah, I surfed with him when I moved here first. He's awesome. Yeah, so I was on a I was on a sort of a whirlwind whirlwind trip, and um, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. there's so many great people uh, to connect with. Um, I went to the LA Expo, which was a great gathering i was there okay oh well but i was only there for a day yeah sure it was it was amazing to see the community there and and how vibrant and how connected everyone is it was it was humbling and i i I felt um i felt it was a great great thing so yeah the expo was one of my favorite experiences when i first went and i encourage everyone with a disability to go and check it out yeah yeah Oh, that's cool. Well, so, I mean, feel free to make yourself comfortable if you need to open a window or, uh, you know, if you need to take a break or something, that's fine too. So no, no trouble. As long as I just don't look like I'm dripping in sweat, then I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not. You look great. So, okay. Yeah. So, so, so childhood, man, there there was uh, already, there was, you know, it was already a difficult time for you. And then you had this motorcycle accident. And at a at a pretty formative you know uh, time of a of a person's life, eighteen years old, you're really still just finding out who you are. There's mm-hmm. lots of um, societal and peer influence, you know, and mm-hmm. you're still trying to be confident in yourself, still trying to find your place in the world, and then bam, <clears throat> something that totally totally shifts <laughs> shifts your uh, your world and i mean it sounds as though you had some great outcomes uh as a result of that um you know psychologically mm-hmm. but i imagine before you reached that point it was it, it, you must have had some really difficult times and i'd like to i'd like to uncover some of those and and learn how you got through them yeah yeah, um, well, like I said, like the accident, it was so, it sounds crazy to say it, but I'm quoted in a newspaper article from the hospital bed saying that I believe this happened for a reason and it's going to make me stronger. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's quoted because I'm like, how did I, how was, was I really thinking like that? But I was, because that's how I think. I always I always try and believe that all the things that hurt me and all the things, you know, they all are lessons and they're teaching me so that I can be strong enough to believe in myself. You know, like that's always been my mission of like, just, Mm -hmm. so if I, if I ever believed that something was, it happened and it's just bad or it's, I wouldn't be okay because the depression would just completely take me down. It's like, I have to constantly fight or, I'm done, you know, like that's, I have severe depression and, um, and I've had it my whole life. So the accident, 
I, I wanted guidance so badly and the crowd I was in was not a crowd I wanted to be in. I wanted more with my life. I wanted to do good things and I had strong morals, you know, just on my own. And the things I was, that people were doing around me were just not what I believed in. But the crowd that was good, that always invited me, come be a part of this, come, you know, I never thought I was good enough for it. And I always felt out of place. You know, I might've given it a chance a few times, but, um, it's, but I always, no, I never felt like I was good enough. And so I was very, I would self-sabotage everything in my life, you know, and I, I knew I was doing that, but I didn't know that there was more like when you're in high school and you think that's your whole world, you know? And if you're in a bad crowd and you've only experienced a lot of heartbreak in your life and different brokenness, you don't know good that exists or that you belong in that, you know, Mm. you you just see what, so, um, you know, and I had good examples and my, I love my parents, my, you know, but so, but yeah, the accident 100% just smacked me down and just was like, okay, we, you know, it's like the universe gave me all of these chances to make it better. I had, I had gotten a DUI in high school. I had, you know, a couple minor in possessions, like because of the crowd I was in, not because that's like, that was my choice to go do these things. My choice would have been to go snowboarding or do something with like a positive group of people that are growing. And, but, um, at the same time, if I didn't go to these parties and do these things, I was just going to be going home and crying myself to sleep. And so I just kind of just like lived my best friend's life. You know, I just kind of like stayed because the home life, you know, was struggling. So, I mean, I'll just explain, like my mom remarried, um, when I was in first grade and he ended up being, um, someone that we couldn't trust and he molested my sisters. Um, and it kind of really, tore a lot of things apart. And then my mom was, you know, a single mom with five girls and kind of manipulated and confused and lost. And so literally like, you know, so things got confusing and I had to like learn values and how to be strong and listen to my gut instinct on my own and teach myself that there's better in life. And so the accident, 100%, gave me that guidance because that I got on the Elena Nichols podcast that you did with her, how she said that the shit filter, like it is, it drops off all the things that are a waste of my time that are, you know, I'm just, when you're able-bodied, it's like you're going in circles and you have endless opportunities and you just can't figure it out. And then you get paralyzed and it's like, okay, it's not a convenience for these people to bring you to this party, you know? So you're, you know, and you're going to realize who your friends are and who really cares about your well-being and um and you're going to have to fight for your opportunities and for anything and so that's the direction that it gave me yeah wow <laughs> i think it's i i'm lost for words in some ways i think it's i think it's absolutely incredible that you you managed to navigate through your you know childhood and and early adolescence um, and even survive that and survive the trauma of of 
of that of severe depression and to actually even even make it through um where lots of people lots of people don't they 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 don't have the drive or the, they don't know what to do and so they they give up or the support system you know exactly exactly my, one of my closest friends in high school she she killed herself and it you know it's it's not a selfish thing either which is something that really bothers me when people say but mm-hmm. yeah like it's it's a very hard thing to live with it's a very hard and and you don't mm. want to be that burden to others and it's how is that a selfish act that you're just like, I can't do this. I, you know, and I don't want to mm. put them through it. That's a really yeah. hard decision to make. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Incredibly hard. I'm, I'm interested to know some of the, um, I guess some of the thought processes that, that help you, um, help you actually get through it and reach out. What what are some tools that you've used that have worked for you over the years? Um after my well before my accident it was always just believing that everything happens for a reason and I kept trying to learn the lessons but I kept making more lessons for myself, you know, and um so after that was that was like my grounding is everything happens for a reason. But then after the accident I had to learn to like hold my head up or find a purpose. And I started realizing that by being strong and like going out in public and holding my head up, just, just holding my head up was giving strength to other people. And, and I, and I started finding strength in that. Um, But that, that was a hard process because at first I was scared to let down that persona that I'm this strong all the time that it's like, you know, yeah. and, and actually say that you're not okay. Um, and so I, someone from the crowd that I used to be in, um, he, he asked me how I was doing after it was like six months after my accident. And I finally said, um, well, you know, like I'm actually, I'm not really doing very well. I'm struggling. And he was like, he's like, uh, shouldn't you be over it by now? Like that was the kind of crowd I was in. And, and then, and I started like, you know, I was like, I mean, maybe like, I don't, you know, I don't know. And, and then I I left just crying and went home and my dad was like, Megan, you walked for 18 years, you know, like, no, you should not be over it by now. It's been six months. And so the holding my head up, I started learning that, well, I, I, I reached out to someone for help right there and it was the wrong person I reached out to, you know, it was someone that hurt me more and made me not want to do that again. But mm-hmm. I started learning that I can find strength by being vulnerable and saying that because I found the strength and lessons through my dad. And that was the next process was learning to hold my head up and be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And that that helps people and me, you know? Yeah. Do you have, uh, any, do you have any sort of mantras that you, you say to yourself at certain moments? Um, okay. Obviously one of them was, um, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable, you know, I can, um, you know, hold your head up, you know, what are some other things that, that, they're going through your mind at, at various times when you you can feel yourself slipping into self-confidence and, and self-doubt? That's a good question. 
I'm not how do you sure recognize I have an answer. It? How, how do you recognize that you're you're heading heading down that that path and and then how do you sort of do you ride that out? Do you ride that out to to a certain point and and let let go, cry, let your emotions out and is that part of the process of coming back up the other side? But what underpins all that? What what is it that 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 enables you to just come back and hold your head up again? Is it that yeah. idea that you're by doing so you're encouraging other people? Is that is that the thing that drives you, or is there other um, things? Yeah, that's you really helped guide me to. Because at first I was like, I don't think I have an answer, um, but. It it used to, my thought process just until this past few months. It used to be that I thought when that cloud of depression, um, in another podcast you did, I forgot I forgot her name, but um, she talks about depression as a spider web that's sticky and mm. and it like takes it to, it attacks her feet first and you know and to me, um, depression is a sticky black spider web that just like can take over you and it just pulls you down um, so fast. And I used to think that when it hits me and it takes me down, I'm going to, you know, I got to just like go through it. It's going to hurt. I'm going to be in a lot of like pain. I cry a lot. I try and go to sleep to escape. I wake up, I cry some more, I try and sleep until it gets a little less and I can like start building the strength to start fighting to get out of it but like it's like I have to like try so hard to like hang on and be like okay how am I gonna do this what is and um and when I start gaining the momentum um I mean it starts with just like making myself eat something and then you know I slowly gain more energy and then I might take a shower and listen to music and like I that's the start and then when I'm ready to like, I got to go get my workouts in, I got to go to the gym, you know, like it's time. Like I, and, and then I, I go harder because I'm like, well, I just spent like two days feeling, you know, feeling horrible. And now I got to get so much done, but now I'm stronger because I just went through that and I learned all these lessons and I'm ready to go hard, you know? And I'm like, and it's going to hit me again. But when it does, like, it'll take me down, but I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to get through it. And and that was like the cycle of my whole life of just thinking like, I got to outrun this, you know, like I, it's going to hit me, but I'm going to fight and I'm going to get through it and I'll be stronger. And then it'll hit me. And I thought that eventually I would be strong enough that it wouldn't hit me anymore. And I would, and I, but what I've learned is lately, it's more about choices and that I do have a choice. And my roommate's like taught me this a lot. She's an occupational therapist. She's also in a wheelchair, um, broke her back when she was 17. And that's a whole nother story, but she makes the decision to make her life better, you know, all the time. And I would be in my room while she's getting up for work. And I would be thinking like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm, but those are, those are choices that I'm, I am making. And I'm trying to learn before it happens because I can feel it coming on. And I know when I'm starting to think I'm not good enough, like I'm never going to be, I want to just go straight to my room and I just want to like curl up and hurt. And, but I'm trying to not do that and to reach out. Um, yeah. 
I so felt like who, I could see you like wanting to like talk, so I'm like, I don't <laughs> go on too much. No, not yeah. at all. I mean, my mind is is it just a buzz with uh, with uh, thoughts and 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 follow up questions, but I'm I'm listening intently. I really I'm really enjoying um, the depths that you're going to, and I'm, I'm really curious. I'm just really curious to know, um, you know, when you say I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna come out of my room and I'm just gonna gonna go do it. That must come from your that that must come from your character. You're you're an optimistic person, you know, at heart, and you're driven and, and focused in a lot of ways. What about for people that don't have that internal resilience, that sort of, you know, that 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 ability and that that confidence to maybe to reach out. And, and when you say reach out, okay. so sort of two part question. When you say reach out, who, what do you mean by that? Well, lately it's been with quarantine. I have really gotten to know my neighbors because I am like, I'm the one out there working on my garden or, you know, like building something and um, just trying to stay busy. And so people walk by and I've gotten close with them and I'm that village, like that community just in person, you know, that's all around you has given me so much strength. And so reaching out lately has looked like me pushing outside across to any neighbor, a neighbor that I feel like could help me and just crying. And, and then another neighbor will bring me food because they see me and then, and it's like, and I slowly gain strength because I'm like, okay, yes, I need to eat. And they're, you know, they're feeding me like they, and then it's like, they're, they're letting me know that it's okay. And I'm not crazy. And like, my life isn't falling apart. And you know, I'm, I'm not weak. And, mm. and they're, they're giving me this, like, slowly, it's building and it's building with each interaction that I come by, because I'm scared of those interactions. I'm scared of seeing how pathetic I feel right now. And I'm scared of crying and being that person again, you know, Megan, the one who's just, you know, like overly sensitive or needy or, and it's hard in quarantine too. When I'm like the neighbor who's always home, like, hi, hi, you know, I'm like, am I too much? Like, you know? (laughs) And so I'm learning love though. I'm learning like, it's okay. And, um, so that's kind of, and it used to be a lot of, you know, I would call someone different almost every time because I would call who I felt would be able to give me what I needed. I might need to be told straight up. I might need someone who can listen and just, and I've, I've built that because I've reached out and I've kept reaching out even after being hurt by some people, I kept doing it. And, and that's the reason I have this support system. But like you said, it's so scary to reach out. I like that guy that made me feel so pathetic over the fact that I'm still sad that I can't walk anymore after six months of not being able to walk, you know, like Mm. that's crazy that I let what he said hurt me so bad when clearly like that's ridiculous, you know? So I try and be open and honest so that others can see that it's okay, even though it's still scary. Mm. Yeah, that's, That's super interesting, and it takes real bravery, doesn't it, to do that? Like it actually takes really real does. courage, and I think that's yeah. that's maybe part of the part of the challenge with mental mental health is is that feeling that you you just can't 
talk to anybody and no one will listen to you or they'll think you're, you know, lame or whatever else you've got running mm. through your head. Mm. I know yeah. recently I've, I've been going through some challenges with, with my mental health, just feelings of, um, you know, been going through a few relationship issues and, you know, quite, quite major relationship issues and, and thinking, ah, oh, who can I, you know, just really wanting to have a, a chat to somebody about it. And I'm like, everyone's so busy. No, you know, mm. no one's got time. Um, oh, they'll just think I'm being, you know, weak, uh, ridiculous, you know, all those sort of thoughts. And so mm-hmm. you end up just internalizing it and going into a dark place. So I've been there. Um, I, know, I know exactly, I know exactly, yeah. I, I know exactly yeah. that place you've been. And, 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 but you know, what happens is when you, when you do actually open up and you do say, well, actually, you know, when someone says, Hey Mike, uh, or Hey Megan, how are you doing? Rather than, Oh yeah, um, everything's cool. Yeah. Life's good. You say, well, actually I'm going through a real tough time right now. <sighs> this thing's happened. This thing's you give them an opportunity to actually get to know you better and to mm-hmm. build on the relationship with you. So, so it's not just about you um, taking from them it's actually about you giving to them it's a strange way of yeah. thinking but you're actually giving them an opportunity to to build a deeper relationship with you and like yeah. your your friend uh, or your you know sort of old friend you soon figure out the people that want that deeper relationship with you and those that mm-hmm. don't and mm-hmm. you know and, but without being open and honest and taking that risk of you won't find out you won't find out you'll you'll continue to you continue to basically maybe have lots of friends but don't feel really alone so mm-hmm. and live in that like cycle of confusion like instead of just getting an answer and yep. knowing that it's okay but but with the whole like opening up and saying how you're actually doing i do think that you do have to protect yourself a little bit which is something i'm learning lately too and you just mm. have to know who you can and can't open up to, but that's a part of the process of learning. But when you get, you know, you might have to take a lot of risks in the beginning, which I did. It was a lot of learning because I wasn't surrounded by great friends. And, mm. um, but then you got to come to a point where instead of like, if you, if, cause if you open up to the wrong person, it really can, it can hurt you more if you're not strong enough to handle that at the time, you know? Mm. Well, that's how I feel. I don't know. Um, just because, like, if I didn't have my dad to go to after that opening up to him, I I didn't know that he's so wrong. I, I allowed what he thought to make me feel that I was that pathetic, that, like, it's, you know, and that could have really hurt me if I didn't have another, if I didn't have someone I knew I could go to. So, I mean, I guess as long as you have that one person. <laughs> Yeah, that that could have. I mean, if you didn't have that that person there at that time, you, your life could have gone in a completely different direction. It may you may well, not it have, just would have you know? hurt more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's um. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious to talk about um, sport and the role that's played in your life and, and how you managed to achieve at such a high level while, um, while navigating this, this mental, yeah. mental wellness 
Um, yeah. I'm not even really sure where to begin. Um, perhaps, perhaps directly, you know, at that six month point after your accident, uh, you know, you'd obviously gone through rehab. You, you uh, had, had a wheelchair. You were starting to figure out how to manage your bowel and bladder and all those good things that come with a spinal cord injury. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what, like, what was, what was the, what was, what happened from that point on? Yeah. Uh, well, well, I think, I think, and I think I did say that I was the passenger in a motorcycle accident. Um, and that accident was in the crowd that I was in of no one really thinking about consequences and, you know, being lost like that. And so six months after it, since the accident happened only a month after high school graduation, that's when people really went their own ways, you know, so people that were going to college went and then the ones that didn't were around and just partying. And after the accident, I was trying really hard to kind of just like, like just fit in again. And I, but I didn't fit into a world that wasn't made for me in a wheelchair, you know, like I was, I just remember sitting like at my mom's house and thinking, how I'm no longer like my best friend's sidekick. I'm no longer the forward on my soccer team. Like I'm no longer all of these mm. things. And those, those um, positions have been replaced. I've been replaced, you know, like life has gone on without me. And mm. I, I'm just no longer my life, but I didn't know what else to do. Like what other life is there? And so I was convinced that I was going to walk again because I got, I had gotten my quad muscles back about like a month after my accident when the swelling goes down. And, mm. um, and so I, I was so stuck on that idea. Um, I was in the hospital for 23 days and then I had to heal my broken bones cause I had 23, no, oh, 18 broken bones. Um, and then was paralyzed from the waist down, but I couldn't do the upper body workouts in rehab until those bones healed. And so I had the choice to go home while they healed or go to a nursing home. And I chose the nursing home because I didn't want to be that sad, depressed person at home that my family would have to take care of, you know, and Mm. I wanted time to go through that and be left alone. And, and then I told myself, I'm going to go to rehab where I'm going to be for seven months. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to go home walking. I'm going to be stronger than I ever was before. And I'm going to, go hard in these sports that I never believed in myself before. And I'm, you know, that's going to be my second chance. Mm. And, um, obviously like I went to rehab, I was there for two and a half or three and a half weeks. And then they sent me home. They taught me how to, you know, like make eggs in a wheelchair and do like things that (laughs) I was like, are you serious? You know, like, and I was like, I got my quads back. Like, don't you see my potential? You know, like I can, um, but so I was begging them not to send me home when we were at that like round table, the doctors all talking about it. And I was like, I am not ready. And it was so scary. The thought of going home, not walking, which was my only, like, that was what I was holding on to. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's why the accident happened. It was going to wake me up. I was going to, you know, go through that, but I'm going to walk again. And then, and then everything's going to be better. And, um, so going home in a wheelchair, like in Elena's, um, podcast was the hardest part. Um, it was mm. just facing that life that was no longer yours. And I had to start with the basic things. Um, but my whole mindset was still, I'm going to work so hard until I 
um, until I, until I'm running and, and I would picture myself running on the side of the freeway or running everywhere I went. And I'm like, I'm going to be running in the Olympics. And, and that was all. And then eventually you, you just keep running into a brick wall, you know, like that's all I was doing. And, <laughs> and it was so miserable and lonely. And I felt like I was getting nowhere because I wasn't. And, um, I knew no one in a wheelchair in my town but I was going to the Y every day. I was just like working out and trying to believe that something's going to come along and it's going to, going to change my life. And then this kid came into the YMCA and he had been in a car accident about a month after mine. And he asked them if they knew anyone in a wheelchair he could talk to. And so they gave me his phone number and I called him and he had heard about some guys that get together and play wheelchair basketball, like 20 minutes from where I live. And nobody, no one knew about that. No one, Everyone around me knew that I was that girl that played every sport. I was the sad story of the town, you know, the athletic girl whose life was over. And, and they all knew that playing sports was everything I did. And yet nobody knew about adaptive sports to tell me that like there's, and if they did, they may have in rehab. And if they did, they did not make it sound cool. You know, like it didn't, if they did make it sound as cool as it actually is, like these sports are badass, you know? then I would have been interested. I would have, mm. but so yeah, it took about, it took a year. And then I went um, the next weekend with that kid, uh, Nick. And I, I just knew that was my second chance at life. And that was, that was what this is for. Like, this is my journey. It's not walking again. It's about learning that there's, a successful story is not just someone that walks, gets everything back, you know, and can walk again. A successful story is someone that moves on with their life and makes the best of it. And, um, you know, and, and makes a difference in the world too. Like that's, so that, that was a huge turning point was realizing what a successful story is because to me, it used to only be something I never could be. So that's oh, how that started. I love it. I love it. I get goosebumps when you're saying that. It's so, so, so true. Um, yeah. You know, I'm you're sure def- you went through that. Yeah. I, I mean, I had, a, I had a slightly different scenario where I actually did have a friend that showed me Josh Dewick skiing. And because, and you know, I love skiing and, and climbing and outdoor adventures. And, and I saw that two weeks in, and that was my switch. That was my... Um, what year was yours? 2012. Mm. I was yeah. 2008. So I think things came a long way since then too. Yeah. I, I mean, I had no idea like you that any of, any of these adaptive communities existed. And mm-hmm. um, it was a real positive thing for me to see uh, some, some role models and some other people just charging it. And, and like you say, being badass, which was, mm-hmm. which was, which was super <laughs> exciting. So yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I said about just trying to learn all of those things that I love to do, but in a different way. Um, so it was, it was super helpful. Um, yeah. but you know, redefining what, what success is for you. And so I had the same thing, you know, I'm waiting for the sort of six to two months mark and oh, I'm going to get my feeling back. And every day I'm thinking mm-hmm. intently, I'm trying to wiggle my toes and I'm yeah, just like, three yeah, months, yeah, six yeah, months, yeah, nine yeah. months, like, you know, and there was a girl that was in the same ward as me in the opposite bed and she walked out of there and, and I'm like, man, that's, 
she's made, you know, she's made it, she's recovered, she's, you know, she's she's off, mm-hmm. you know, this is this she's is great. She's a success. <laughs> yeah. And but at the same time, there was a guy, a young guy who had broken his neck and he was paralyzed from the neck down, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you compare yourself and and yet I know now that he's he is a success. He's got a great life, a family, a successful career. You know, he's he's happy, and and mm-hmm. so it was just trying to find out what success meant for you, mm-hmm. and yeah, because um, what success meant for you beforehand may no longer be be the same. And uh, yeah, well, and it shouldn't have even been what it was before. You know, like that's where to me before it, what success meant was something in my mind, I could never live up to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. And in rehab, um, I met, there was two experiences I had. Um, one, I was struggling with depression, of course, still, and in rehab, um, and they had this, this group, uh, support group that they told me I should go to because there's a girl who's like 22 years old and she's a paraplegic and Um, and I was really excited to meet someone younger that like could, you know, anything I needed, anything. And then when I was listening, she said, I like driving because when I'm in my car, nobody knows I'm different. And she was so sad about it. And it had been five years since her accident. Mm. And I was like, Oh, so even five years later, you still hate being who you are. Like that was not motivating or helpful. And I get like, for one, she was a hostage in a mall situation and she was shot. And I think when it's not like my, it was my choice to get on the motorcycle. It was something that I had to just, but I'm sure it's even harder to move through it when it, it wasn't even your, you know, it wasn't in your control. Like, mm. Yeah, totally. That's so, part yeah. of the journey, isn't it? To let, to let go of that and to accept, like you, you clearly said, it was my choice. I, I, I have a, I had a huge part to play in that, <laughs> in this situation. Yeah. And I, I mean, look, I'm. So I'm you can a, be a strength to others. Yeah, yeah, totally. You can be a strength to others, but I think it's important to, for your own self, to be able to let go of that and accept that, because because otherwise you, you're going to always be back there thinking, oh, I wish that, you know, I wish that didn't happen. Yeah. That's going to be your your driving thought process, right? Rather than, yeah. okay, that happened. Now what? Here I am. Mm-hmm. This is it. So, yeah. part of accepting, you know, um, a, a woman was driving. She was looking at a map. She hit me, and you know, I, I instantly I, I was I felt really um, I felt really sorry for her, and I because you know the the burden of of you what, that's what happened to you. Yeah, and so the, the sort of the, the yeah. burden of the burden. I was thinking about her burden and and what it must have felt mm-hmm. like to her, and I also completely accepted my part to play in it. Um, I was there at that that moment in time. I I made that mm-hmm. decision to get on my skateboard and skateboard down that street, and it just enabled me to just put it aside and go, mm-hmm. you know what? Okay, that that happened. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> what happens from now on is the is is important. Um, yeah, is the most yeah, and, important and thing. Also to, and also to like help her. I remember calling the driver of the motorcycle when I was in college, um, playing. I had a full. I earned a full ride 
wheelchair basketball scholarship to the University of Illinois and became the first in my family to graduate college and all of that, which we never got into because I was like distracted. But we I will, called we will. him. I called him to tell him that, you know, everything's okay. Like I'm, I got a scholarship. I'm doing, you know, great. And, and his response though, I think he just did not know what to say. And it, his response made me so upset that like, cause it sounded like he, he didn't care, but I mm. know that he was, um, he just didn't know how to respond. And so that was another lesson for me, but a lot of my motivation came from, just believing that like me making my life better is going to help so many others, you know, because it's like when you have depression, you don't always do it for yourself. You know, you, Mm. you don't really care about living. You're struggling to want to live or to believe that life will get better and all of that. So people say you have to do it for yourself. But when I started it, the strength started from knowing it was helping others. And then it grew to myself, which that was just around. The way that's, I went. <laughs> that's cool. So I guess the takeaway is, you know, find some way of contributing to somebody mm-hmm. else's well-being yeah. and somebody else's um, happiness. And mm-hmm. by default, you will that that will um that will help you too, right? Um Yeah. And just believe everything happens for a reason to make you stronger, because everything can make you stronger. Mm. But it'll be hard. For those of you that are, that are listening and aren't watching this video, um, Megan is ripped. She is so strong. Her, her <laughs> arms are really, really strong. She's super fit. Um, yeah, yeah, look at those guns. <laughs> it, it's amazing. Um, what, what's it, what does it take to train to be a Paralympic gold medalist? <laughs> what, what, what is that all about? Yeah, well, what it takes is for one, pushing through all the BS and obstacles and things that are going to be in the way because it's adaptive sports and these are, you know, it's growing and it's, but it's going to be a struggle. And so that was, that was the, that was the hardest part for me was equipment and getting things that fit and um, opportunities and then funding and even coaches that know what they're talking about, you know, that can coach you, which you can get in college, you know, but Mm. Um, so pushing through that frustration (laughs) and believing that like, if you don't give up, it will get better. And then eventually, you know, you come across like the challenge athletes foundation and they help you get your first basketball wheelchair that fits you and you start moving, you know, your momentum gets going and, um, and then you end up in college where you train intensely like I am pretty convinced that we trained harder than the able-bodied team like I think that our coaches were like you know because we the University of Illinois is where wheelchair basketball started in the U.S. in colleges uh after World War II um Tim Nugent um they started a program there I can go into all that but so it's like we're gonna we're going to earn what we have you know like we're gonna show them that we deserve this that we work hard and we don't need any handouts. Um, and so we practice, you know, two to three hours, Monday through Friday, um, 6.30 to 8.30 a.m. And then 6.30 to 9.30 on other days. Uh, we pushed hard every day. And uh, then we had lifts on top of that three days a week and um, tournament weekends where we travel and then play like four to five games in a weekend. 
And I did that for five years in college. Um, and wow. then the USA team on top of that and a lot of other adaptive sports. And I mean, I did pair canoe as well in the summers and yeah. So that so, gave you, that gave you some, you know, some real focus, something to reach and strive towards. Um, and like you say, you overcame the sort of initial barriers to, 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 to do what you did to get involved and to, to be accepted as a, mm-hmm. as a, um, with that scholarship. I mean, that's a, that's an amazing achievement. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Were there, were there moments where you felt like giving up and, 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 you know, how did you, what helped you get through that? Yeah, there were so many moments, like constantly, uh, for all five years I was there, I was, um, I mean, right before I left, uh, some, my, my good friend Whitney had killed herself in December. And then my best friend Jordan died from schizophrenia in June. Um, and he was 22. She was 21. Like I was, you know, it was two years after my accident. I'm trying to earn a full ride scholarship to go to college and no one in my family's gone. I don't even think I belong, but like, I was trying to keep it together and it felt like, I was doing, I was working so hard and I was making these things happen, but I was running from the depression still, like just running, running, <clears throat> running, like, and, um, and in between classes, in between training sessions for the USA team for, I would go to my room and cry forever and then go to class. I would cry while I'm pushing to class. Like I, my depression was so bad and I mean, I, one time I remember I had four tests in a row and, um, and I was freaking out after each test thinking that like, I just flunked it and I'm going to flunk the next one and I'm going to be kicked out of college and like all of this stuff that was so not realistic. And then I ended up making the Dean's list, which I never even, you know, like I was so, my mind will just like mess with me. So I was running for so long and I always, I was telling myself. From the beginning, when I first found out about wheelchair basketball, I found out there were colleges that offer scholarships and I found out about the Paralympics. And I said, I'm going to earn a full ride scholarship and I'm going to make it to the Paralympics. And I believe that if I made it to the Paralympics, I would overcome my depression and believe in myself. But I learned that that wasn't what happened, but (laughs) it still taught me a lot. (laughs) Uh, I I, I guess the... um... Yeah, your 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 depression is is part of who you are, right? And so it might be, you know, it is for the it is it is or has been and, and maybe is for the moment. It's not to say you you can't strive to um, reduce it or um, find ways to to make it less prevalent. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in some ways it's it's good just to accept that that's that's how your mind works and and recognize it, right? Do you, have you ever thought like that? Um, I have been told that maybe I should love my depression instead of fight it. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, I get it. Like, I could try, but I'm really scared of, like, you know, like, because it's like, if you don't fight, um, but I also tried to be, a, you know, no antidepressants and then antidepressants. And I actually, two days ago, just got off completely off the antidepressant again 
And I reached out to this psychologist that I found online. Um, I was watching his videos and they were helping me a lot. Um, and asked if he would be willing to help me because I just, I don't want to live. I can't keep living like this. I want, if I'm, you know, whatever I do, I want to do it fully. And, um, and I sent him these videos asking, and he is doing two years of treatment with me now, um, just to help me. And so every week I'm talking to him and it is, I've had nine sessions so far and I believe that I can, like, we are working through and untwisting and undoing the patterns. It's patterns, you know, it's Mm. like, I, I don't know what I believe. I don't know if depression is all chem, like if if the chemical part is something I can't balance out or, Mm. but I am so thankful for this journey and the support I've had. And it's just up to me now to, to really appreciate and take charge in these opportunities, you know, like Mm. to respect what he's giving to me by putting in the work and really, I don't know. It's a crazy journey. (laughs) Yeah. There is that thing about, you know, the, the chemical balance in your, you know, the chemical balance in your brain versus nature versus nurture. It's like, how do you actually know for certain, you know, like, Mm-hmm. Is there a test or is there, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure clinical psychologists will, will, you know, have, have the tools to, to maybe ascertain if that's the case. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it, it's interesting because um, psychedelics are sort of making a renaissance with mental health and, um, mm-hmm. and I've done a, a fair bit of reading about that. Uh, Michael Pollan's book uh, on the subject is very interesting and, um yeah so i don't know it's it's a it's becoming increasingly um recognized as as a as a worldwide um yeah pandemic essentially and things need to happen to to especially with quarantine assist. yeah with quarantine it is it is pushing people over the edge that were already close to it you know like mm. people are reaching out to me that they're not doing well. It's it. It can be really hard. I, I think it's good too that it, it's really bringing out the flaws and everyone. We're having to wake up and really fix problems. So that's a good thing. The the videos that you just talked about there is it something you can can share? Can I link them in the profile or is it a more personal thing? What videos? You know, so you said you met the um, psychologist or therapist you'd, oh. after watching some of their videos. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Doctor Fox. I can send you some of them. He's that's awesome. I'm so glad that you. I should have said his name as well because he's incredible. And I promise you, like he he's putting out videos like he's like quarantine and depression, quarantine and you know mm. uh, uh, anxiety. Like every week, if whatever he just wants to educate the world he and education is where we get stronger being learning about what's going on with me and why and where it comes from which I've I heard you talk about in your podcast as well with um that that is that is what helps is understanding it yeah awesome okay well I look forward to getting some of those links and I'll I'll add them to your profile page once once it's live uh, that's that's yeah. really cool. Uh, 
So, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't want to brush over your success as a Paralympic gold medalist. I always end up um, having to brush over them. Because <laughs> I talk about mental health way more. <laughs> it's an interesting, I mean, it is an interesting, they're both very interesting subjects. Um, what were, what were some of the, what were some of the highlights of, of that, that, um, that success, that journey for you? With basketball? With yeah, with basketball and with, um, you know, with Rio. What was that? What was that experience like? Well, the whole, our team always focuses on how it's the process, you know, and, mm. um, and it, it's just being together with a group of like badass girls. I just love badass people, <laughs> but being with, <laughs> these girls that, you know, we're all working hard for the same goal and it's day in and day out and we get it. It's not always fun or easy. And, you know, in between sessions, like we go to our room, we take a 20 minute nap, we get up and we go do it again for the next session. And, you know, um, but like doing it together and just, I don't know that process, like a team in general, going to college and being with my team for the first time, those girls, everyone there taught me how to hold my head up, how to not care what people think about you, how to be your best and live your life and um, jump curves and carry coffee and learn that coffee spills on you. And that's just the way it is because we're going over cobblestones. And like, instead of being so frustrated about life, you learn with your teammates how to keep going. And um, I think that's, that that journey and then making it to the Paralympics with a team that teaches you that type of stuff, you know, um, it's a pretty incredible journey. Yeah. So, so stoked for you. Um, for people that, you know, aren't sport focused, what are, what are some other groups or activities that um, you could recommend they, they get involved in as, you know, as a disabled person or as a wheelchair user? Um, well, like it's a sport, but like stuff like surfing, you know, like that's just like a freedom, an opportunity to go out in the ocean and be active and also meet incredible people, which is that going to adaptive sporting events or clinics or which they're, they're all over the place now. You know, if you look into it, you'll find a nonprofit organization that's working hard to bring opportunities to you. So just go be a part of it because the people you're going to meet are so incredible. Like you're, you're going to meet athletes that aren't going to accept life as it is and how they're told it's going to be. They're going to just live their life. And so that's great people to be around. And then volunteers that are putting it on are people that know what's important in life and that there's a bigger picture and they'll be your support system. You will meet the people that want to lift you up. And so just, just showing up, you don't even have to do the sport activity. Just go volunteer. It doesn't matter that you're in a wheelchair too. Like you don't have to do the sport, you know? Um, but surfing, I don't know, uh, uh, like anything, eh? cycle, anything, yeah. anything, just, just go just... be a part of it because you will, you will find happiness and joy and you'll find what you want to do. You'll learn. Just show up. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and you are right. If you, if you look, you do a little bit of research, you'll find, you'll find they're out there. 
Yeah, and that's supporting the organizations that are working hard to put that on and grow as well. So, yeah, totally. What does uh, what does the what does the the near future look like for you? I guess a, a lot depends on the COVID nineteen situation. But what are you yeah. what are you working on and working towards uh, the, at the moment? Um. Well. I'm gonna I'm gonna be starting studying for my fitness training um, certificate, and yeah, I, I I'm excited for that. Um, I I'm actually recording my sessions with Dr. Fox, and so we're gonna use some of them um, just to put out there, I guess. And um, and then I'm gonna be playing with the San Diego Wolfpack. Um, it's uh, military wheelchair basketball team and it's I think there's 11 guys on it I'm the I'm the only girl on it but it's that was a huge blessing in my life because that I have 11 brothers growing up I had four <laughs> sisters you know and I never really learned about the male side of things and also to trust it males as well as you know they have shown me like They've shown me everyone's different and just because someone lives their life a certain way does not make them a bad person, you know, and just different things that I was kind of, I just didn't know about. And so I, I'm going to get to spend another year with them and we travel a lot and, um, and then the USA team, um, we're staying in touch right now and we're doing our workouts. Um, but no one really knows when we're going to be back together and, um, and I'm going to be doing more stuff with Nike this year and the Challenge Athletes Foundation and Angel City Sports. Um, we are doing uh, the Angel City Games. The, it's going to be virtual this year. So we're going to be putting on some kind of like goofy, fun clinic. Um, and that, that's coming up. So, yeah. That sounds we'll awesome. We'll see what this year brings. But I have no idea really right now. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta take it as it comes, don't you? Right now, far out. Well, I feel like I gotta, I gotta create it. It's like I, I can't take it as it comes. I gotta make things happen because this is after, you know, after the Paralympics. What am I doing? Like, what is my plan? I'm not entirely sure because I just kind of like I'm growing as it, you know, mm. as I go and I'm learning. But I think fitness training will be a big part of it. I imagine you'd be a, a very um, knowledgeable and uh, and also a hard taskmaster. It would be whoever got a got a fitness training or workout with you would be um, would be it would be amazing. <laughs> no, I plan to be just so real, where I can be like, even when you're crying, you can still do it. <laughs> What's um what's your sponsorship journey been like? What's it been like uh, working with Nike and uh, and others? Uh, Perfumex, I think, uh, are um, mm-hmm. another sponsor of and yours. Hartford. Yeah, yeah, the challenge. I've done a lot with the Challenge Athletes Foundation and then Nike and the Hartford and Performax. Um, and uh, I mean, I know that I'm blessed to have these sponsorships because that's definitely rare for adaptive athletes but it's it's also becoming less rare and it's amazing because i mean i think it was it today or yesterday that they changed um it to the 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 olympic and paralympic day instead of just the olympic day Ah, um like the national day yeah 
So all of those things people might not realize are a big deal, like just changing the name from the Olympic Training Center to the Olympic and Paralympic. But that brings awareness um, to to the world that we are there. And so sponsorships are growing and it's, it's really awesome to see like all these opportunities that these kids are getting growing up, the opportunities they should be getting. You know, it's, it's come a long way from the stories I heard of them sitting in, literally sitting in the closet, like during PE. So strange. Really? <laughs> yeah, I forgot who that was, but they were someone that I didn't, I, I wouldn't think would exaggerate. Like, and then some of the little girls I talk to these days, they still have some stories, but um, wow. it's interesting. Could, like, because they weren't included, is that is that why? Or, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like being left out instead of places adapting but um yeah wow. like our the town i'm from we just changed the name from um the run a mile day to the run and roll a mile day and that um yeah yeah that makes everyone <laughs> included you know like it's a big difference i want to say thank you to you and and to everybody actually that i that i interview that have a have a public profile because you are you are changing. You are changing this. You know, you're 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 part of the part of changing society's view on inclusion and and mm-hmm. and and honestly, you know, you're working with Nike and and proving to them that you can be an amazing athlete and role model and brand um, partner is what's mm-hmm. going to increase that more and more and more. Yeah. And and the visibility yeah. of of uh, disabled people in in the mainstream, so mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a really great thing that uh, that you're you're doing, um, and and others Thank like you. like you're doing. So yeah, keep keep on doing it. I know it's not easy. I know it's uh, I know it's a real tough road to you know it's you know your obligations can be demanding. You've got to be in the public eye. You've got to put on the the, the brave mm-hmm. face, the tough face, the the str- strong face. Um, mm-hmm. You got to make a post. You got to have an opinion. You got to, you, you know, like. Yep. You yeah. You do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I also, uh, I also kind of, I guess I, I caution you if I may offer you some advice. I know before my injury, I, I was a sponsored climber and just a, just small sponsorships. Um but it really, it really affected me. It became a part of my identity. And when I was no longer climbing at that level, I had a crisis, an identity crisis, right? So um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, I've spoken to Josh Duick about this and Elena as well, you know, post-professional career, you know, you've got to start, you got to start thinking and, and maybe not um, having all of your identity and self-worth um, wrapped up in the fact that you're, Mm-hmm. no longer a professional athlete or a, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that sure. That happened after Rio um, when I also realized I still have depression too. Like it was, yeah. it was because I graduated college and I also Rio was, you know, done and I was back home in Washington and it was just like, wow. It's like, now I don't have that go, go, go fight for it. Like you're going to make your life better. It's, you know, you're always working hard. Mm. now it's like who am I who am I without basketball I have no idea and 
I couldn't overcome this depression. Like, am I going to be okay with that? Am I going to be okay living with depression forever? Or like, what's going to be my new, my new reason, my new motivation to like fight, you know, Mm. if I don't think I can overcome it, what's going to like, so it was, it was a, a lot to learn and try and find a new so you obviously you obviously shifted focus. You, you you came off the back of Rio and you went okay, and that's I think that's natural. You come off you come off achieving a goal, sort of a big high, mm-hmm. and then there's this sort of period of time you're like, oh okay, <laughs> you know now yeah. now what? I think right it's perfectly now. perfectly normal and and happens and happens healthy. a lot. And and yeah. yet absolutely, it's kind of just like a season, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. it's just going with the cycle of uh, of life yeah. and. So I guess you, you again. It's just a series of moments in our lives where we go through these peaks and troughs, and, and adaptation. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's having the skills and the, and the mindset to go. Maybe even just recognizing it. Oh, okay, I'm I'm here. I'm in this sort of trough now. All right, I've been here before. I know. I now mm-hmm. know that I've got to get back up and start climbing up that, mm-hmm. that thing. Yeah, and just like remembering that you can like you can and it might be different than what you were doing before but you can do it just as well you know yeah but, it's an opportunity yeah. to 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 learn something different to be curious about some new new thing i mean there's an infinite amount of possibilities in life isn't there and so there's there's not mm-hmm. ever any there's never any reason to to not find something that can fill your fill your cup up you know yeah yeah Exactly. That's what we made this video for the girls assembly for the school that we changed the name. And I think about it a lot lately because I said it, but it was like, you know, there's not only one way to do things. And that we were trying to get the kids motivated to do use anything that rolls, you know, because we said run and roll. So Mm. we're like, even though, you know, we're not at school, like you can still, you know, have fun and do something that makes you excited. You don't have to run, you can roll. And, um, but I think about that and I'm like, that is for everything in life. Like there's, it's not the only way, Megan, like it's okay. If this doesn't work out, it is not the only way. Like there's so many ways to live life. And, and this is just a small little part, but like when you put everything on it, like if I don't make the USA team, you know, like my life is over. Like you have to just be like, if you don't make it, then you don't make it and you'll do something else. And mm. that's okay. Like being okay with that, I think was a big lesson for me too. Because uh, that can be scary. Yeah. It's gold. <laughs> that, that right there is, yeah. that, that's such, that's such wisdom right there. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, where, whereabouts can, uh, I get the feeling we could just keep talking and talking and talking. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you, Megan. Thanks uh, so much for your time and your wisdom. And again, for um, paving the way and helping change, um, change the world for the better for, for many, many people. Um, yeah. So you're uh, you're truly um, you're truly someone that I look up to, and uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and helping me to share a little more, you know, those things I want to share with the world so that people know it's okay. Yeah. Totally. Whereabouts <laughs> can people find you online? Where 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 do you hang out um, online mm-hmm. or, or otherwise? Well, I 
Instagram is like the main place that I, I post and, but, um, I am, I do have a, a website that, um, Ishil made me and, um, and it's really nice. So I need to start using it more and blogging. I really want to get into blogging again. Um, mm. and now that I'm off of antidepressant, I think I'm going to be able to write more. So I'll be there at meganblunk.net. So. Awesome. I'll make sure, I'll make sure the links are are there and um, yeah. And also some, some of those videos you recommended. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's a-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y dot com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.